Welcome back to Minding Our Businesses, where CEO and COO sisters share unfiltered conversation about running three companies together and and the the real real life between it all. Samantha Burns is a licensed psychotherapist specializing in couples therapy, dating coaching, and breakup coaching. She's the author of two traditionally published books, Breaking Up and Bouncing Back and Done With Dating, The Seven Steps to Finding Your Person. All right, so here we are. Relationship questions with a love coach. Welcome. Ba-dum-bum. Thanks for having me, ladies. Samantha, we love you. We've loved you for years. Love you. And you've been such a loyal client to Parlor for years. And for so many years, I've like wondered what you really do. And today I'm so excited to like kind of dive deeper into all of it. So why don't we start by telling our listeners about your very interesting job and what you do every day. Sure, so I am a licensed mental health counselor. I do dating, breakup, relationship coaching. Every day is different, but basically I work with most people one-on-one where we talk about everything from their dating frustrations, their heartbreak, they might be coming from a divorce and trying to get back into dating, Uh, couples who are looking to strengthen their relationships and feel more intimacy, And we just dive right into everything from like the deeper seated issues, whether it's past trauma or, you know, there are frustrations with modern day dating apps and and dating, you know, problems like ghosting and things like that today, or someone who's just so hung up on their ex and they feel like they're never going to meet anyone else again, or like they don't feel worthy for love, um, to the more of the concrete, like creating an online dating profile, talking about their photos and what makes the best impact online and then how to get off in person, meet someone, create chemistry, exclusivity, all of it. So full full cycle. Well, we just said wow with the in sync. What an interesting life. It's so funny. I actually just thought literally as you were telling us that like COVID must have like made your business boom even more because I feel like people had such issues after COVID dating a lot of problems dating or still wanting to find intimacy, but being afraid to meet someone. I had one client who would like, (laughs) I'm laughing, who would just like kiss someone through their mask like they would he's like can I give you a mask kiss and I was like can we just pause here like if you're wearing a mask obviously no one wants you like in their don't face don't say kiss mask yeah I'm sorry I wish people could see my face right now because I'm just I'm still can. digesting what oh true they can I'm digesting what you're saying right now <laughs> don't say kiss me through the kiss me through, through the, the mask. <laughs> kiss me through the mask so we had to talk about that I've had like issues like recently um I'm just I'm, I'm like I'm not laughing at them but just the things I hear are probably not typically what other people hear in their profession. So Definitely not. there was like an issue with like anal sex recently. What was the um, issue? The issue was that um, my client really, so he's a man and he really wants anal, but he didn't want to give his wife anal. He wanted her to give him anal and for her to get a strap on. But he didn't feel comfortable telling her that and they've been married for 20 years. And this actually had led was to- Was he privately in these meetings w- with you and yes. then said this to you not like in front of his wife? Correct. Oh but boy. I'm, I should preface that, sorry, with ex-wife. Okay, So Got they it. had divorced- but then they, what the hell fuck do you say to that? So, but then he was dating a much younger woman, who he did want to um, 
try and experiment with these things about. And I mean, it goes so deep and I won't like go into more details because I'm like, please don't be listening to this podcast. And, and you're a normal person with normal sexual needs well, and I mean, that's listen, fine. Everyone has their we sexual thing. You. We, we all, you. every, I think it's good to, I, meditationally, I think it's good to explore sexual things. It's yes. good. Sex is important. It's good for your mind and your soul and your body. But for me, my root issue is like you've been married to your partner for 20 years and you didn't feel comfortable right. telling them what you really wanted and needed. Right. So communication, ultimately, like not knocking the anal stuff, like no, whatever floats I mean, your Sam, boat. Let's get the podcast started with anal. <laughs> I think, you know, my father-in-law listens to this podcast. So for me, <laughs> I, may ha- I may have to recover from this. It's going to be good. We're fine. But you know what? It's totally We're fine. <laughs> How did you get into this? Yeah, I uh, need to know. I've always been into relationship stuff. Like when I was at summer camp as a kid, I remember... You know, I was eight, nine years old, and people would sneak in Seventeen magazine, which was the big deal mm. at the time. Loved Seventeen magazine, and they magazine. had the relationship advice Does and the couples exist? advice. I don't even think it's still out there. We should so try to get sad. one. Yeah, so, I love, that's sad. I know, but it was such a good magazine, and I remember it was so juicy reading the couples and the sex thing. And before I was, you know, of age to be reading these things, and Cosmo, and Cosmo, exactly. Mm-hmm. Always the kids from New York. From Brooklyn, they would bring definitely. Them. They know. They, they know. knew. Different they were things. much more advanced than I was from Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, so, I was not advanced. Yeah. So I was sheltered, but I loved that stuff. And then I went to graduate school for um, psychology and was always interested in couples work. Opened my own private practice once I got my license and I did all my supervision hours and just really started focusing on couples work, couples therapy. I take all my continuing education credits in that realm, um, sex therapy, all of that stuff. And then. I also branched out into the dating coaching, breakup coaching, because I felt like there wasn't, um, like traditionally, when you think about mental health, insurance companies don't want to cover claims for like, oh, um, I'm frustrated with my dating life, or how do I create an online dating profile? And I just felt like there is a niche out here that needs to be served. Um, There really is. Yeah. It is such a niche. We we used to offer, like, when we still do, dating profile photo shoots. Mm -hmm. And I always found that these individuals coming in were so ready to find something, but I think didn't understand how. In a weird way, we we had become, like, their first step. Yeah. It was a very long time ago before I had sort of known you. And I feel like that concept of, like, helping somebody make a dating profile is getting in touch with yourself and also, like, communicating with the future person you're going to love. And people need help. Absolutely. You have to become an expert on yourself first. That's hard. And like foster that relationship and also um, be comfortable with being alone. Like that, there's no Mm, shame to being alone. and Love being alone. Love being alone and actually bring like joy. Like can you entertain yourself? Can you feel happy on your own or do you need to constantly be filling your schedule with so many things so that you don't actually have the time to reflect on like what does it feel like to assume but they have a professional to go to that can like actually give them help because you can go to your friends and family they might not be able to give you the advice so like you've had multiple people where you can give the advice to yeah and then like you know people actually can see success Yes. There's a solution. Yeah, because like you think about people who are like going on a dating profile and those people that would come in, you they always feel insecure and it's sad. Mm-hmm. And they can like hire someone like you to help them get through it and then have success and maybe find their person. And I always say like, Love is what brings us the greatest joy in life, the most connection. Um, we're all seeking for it. We all we all desire it. And there's that's what we're like biologically hardwired to do. And so, but we don't all have you know, positive role models and happy childhoods and all these things to get us there. So like, why not work with someone on what's going to be creating the, the best moments and joy and satisfaction in your life? 
I couldn't agree I more. I love that. One thing you said that I found really interesting, it's something I personally believe in my relationship too, is like the independence of the individual. Mm-hmm. Like I really view relationships, and I, I pride myself, I think I've had a very healthy relationship for 13 years with Mike. And, you know, of course we fight and we have our moments and like, you know, we're human. But I think one thing that we do well or that I've learned is that you have to meet the other person halfway as who you are, you know? And like one thing, I don't think we need to go too deep into being a working individual and having a love life because, you know, I think this is going to go in many directions, this conversation. But I do think it's important to have your own passions, your own life that you've developed and you're so in touch with yourself and then you meet your partner halfway in the relationship. What do you think about that? I agree. And I think, I mean, you do a fabulous job of that. You have so much going on in your professional life. And I think whether it's a traditional job that brings an income or you could call it a passion, a hobby, but ultimately a purpose. I think as an individual, you need purpose. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have purpose and you look to your partner to provide your total emotional well-being, your happiness, your life satisfaction, that's going to crash and burn because someone cannot be responsible for the weight of like your happiness and your emotional well-being all of the time. So you have to be what I call like a full individual Mm. where you have your own interests, hobbies, passions. It could be you know, professional work or drive, um, and bringing that to a relationship. And we find that attractive. Like we're attracted to someone who is in love with their own life. Who, oh, definitely. You know, has so these sexy. things they're excited to talk about. And so, yeah, being a working person or again, like if it's not necessarily, you know, a stay at home mom could still have purpose and Absolutely. drive and passion and interest, even if they're not contributing equally financially. But yeah, I think we all need purpose. I agree. But if you make someone your everything and like, that's like, like putting that pressure on someone to make you feel happy, like you'll always be disappointed. And that's what we call in like psychology codependence. Yeah. So we have like independence, codependence, interdependence. So independence could be someone who is too self-reliant where they don't look towards their partner to create a real teammate partnership. Codependence is where you look emotionally for your partner to fulfill and meet all of your needs and you put pressure on them to like make you happy. But interdependence is what we're striving for, which is you have that healthy balance of partnership, um, but you can take control of your own emotional state. If somebody's listening right now and they sort of feel like they're in that codependent state, what's something you would say to them as a first step to sort of get away from that? creating purpose, right? So you have to have a goal or something to work towards. And it could be small. It could be like going out for a walk every day. It could be exercise. It could be artwork, like whatever, getting in touch with yourself, a hobby, like investing time in that. Maybe say for one hour every day, I'm going to do whatever this goal is just to start creating your own sense of individuality. It makes me think of the game, you know, like I, I, I don't know how you feel about these things. You know, I've never talked to somebody like you who like actually has the answers. I just make these things up. But like, I think the game's important, you know, like playing hard to get from time to time. I don't know if that's a big no-no in your world, but I think it's important to like sometimes be available, sometimes to not. So I feel like it's not sexy for me if Mike's always available to me or if like he always is like at my beck beck and call. Like I want him to have his own life and I want, I think he likes that about me too. He definitely does. He certainly has his independence. (laughs) So we could dive into this for like hours, which is what I do. So that is actually related to like attachment styles and attachment theory, which we can talk about. But 
what you're highlighting, I think, is the idea of like mystery. What is yes, my partner yes. doing? Everything better. What is my partner doing? Well, this yeah. is what I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's a therapist. There's, psychotherapist. Yeah. But yeah. so, like, what is the mystery? What's my partner doing? And I always say to my clients who feel the need to like drop everything to text back the person that they're newly dating, especially, I say, finish your workout, finish the episode of Absolutely. whatever show you're watching. Like, yes. you're, it's not playing a game. Is just saying, I'm going to put myself first and I'm not going to drop everything for someone else, especially if I've never even gone on a date with them or met them or just texting. I'm probably a product of my environment of thinking that that is a game. True. Like truly too. like over the well, years. Everyone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Carly's statistic, but probably 99.9% of the statistics a thing. 99.9%. They probably answer right away and they're like, Always. I used to do that for and sure. And it's very unattractive to the person they're dating because there's no it's unattractive to there. me. I wouldn't like that. And also the other thing I say that I was looking for, like someone with a backbone. So like, I didn't want someone to tell me yes all the time, especially when I was mm -hmm. being a brat. Cause I feel like I could take advantage of that or walk all over you. I need someone with boundaries who can like call me out yes. when I need to be. And I think that's important me for too. a lot of people um, too. That is like the most valid statement I've ever heard in my life. That's one of the things I love most about Mike is that He'll he call will you on it. put me in my place. Yeah. And that's, I, I feel that about the closest people in my life so just in Joe. general. Joe, well, everyone thinks Joe's so nice and so quiet but like there is a point where oh no he, he puts like, you in your place stop talking yeah and I'm like I want no. <laughs> my husband to say like yes me 95% of the time but then like 5% be like absolutely not Whitney. you're being your <laughs> and then take me into the bedroom <laughs> okay my father-in-law uh, <laughs> no but like stop yeah. saying father-in-law <laughs> ew I know he's listening but the other thing you said about the point is communication like number one like, oh yeah, I literally, we were talking about this the other day, but I also was talking to this with my friends. It's like, I would never not say something that is on my mind, like in the moment. Like I don't wait 12 hours. I don't wait till it feels right. Well, it's what like, do you think of that? It's like right now I have to say something. I'm team Carly. That's how I personally am. And, I, and it I works for me. Um, I'm team Carly so, for life. For I'm, life. Yeah. I'm team yeah. Carly. <laughs> you are Carly. So I think where that comes to that when we talk about attachment styles, someone who has an anxious attachment style, again, this is like a whole podcast for another time, but someone who has an anxious attachment style, they have a lot of difficulty asserting their needs, asking for what they want, for telling someone what's on their mind, because ultimately their fear is that someone will leave them, someone will break up with them, they feel unworthy, undeserving of Sad. love, and so they're afraid to rock the boat. And so communication for these people is very challenging. So that's one thing that I help them with is gain confidence, assertiveness, and help shift them to what's that makes sense. secure attachment style. Yeah, no, that does make sense to me. Do you think there's something as like over communicating? Like, do you think that there's such <laughs> thing as that? Like, I definitely think I might be a victim of that. So, like bordering on what the line of like nagging. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. I think I, I actually so. hate the word nagging, but no, I think you can communicate. But ultimately when we're saying something over and over again, it's because we do not feel heard by our partner. We yes. don't feel acknowledged yes. or Therapist. validated. Therapist. Right. So yeah. like we're saying it over and over because we're not feeling like they're paying attention, that we feel heard. So it's their fault. It's their fault. 100%. One thing about partners that I've, I think, realized is sometimes, or Joe does this, is he'll, like, kind of keep tabs of things that I did that bothered him, and then he'll blow up in this one moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then he'll be like, this bothered me, this bothered me, this bothered me. And I'm like, how long have you been thinking that? And, like, keeping a score. He needs to work on that because that ultimately... Yeah. Listen up, Joe. That ultimately can cause them bigger problems, so that could... Be, um, that could be it's just a communication issue. That could be like reflective of, of 
both avoidant and or anxious attachment style. It could be a lot of things, but ultimately you want him the way you model it to just bring something to you when it's bothering him and say, hey, this is going on instead of like letting it boil in a pot yeah. until it's overflowing. Yeah. And I think ultimately that is one of the biggest issues that couples face. So yeah. just in terms of like couples, like what problems are they dealing with and what things are they, communication issues is always at the core. So it's either couples come to me with like, lack of intimacy or connection or mm. communication issues and obviously communication issues contribute to lack of intimacy mm-hmm. and connection understood and so the biggest pitfalls <clears throat> there's this researcher john gottman and he found these four kind of he calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse but basically it's criticism contempt defensiveness and stonewalling so all of these things stonewalling could be like shutting down not coming to your partner telling them what's Mm. wrong defensiveness is when obviously you get defensive and like shut down or turn it back on your partner when they bring up an issue Um, criticism could be calling them names yeah contempt is really like resentment and like really like dislike for who they are um, deep-seated. It's so funny. Wow, I'm in deep thought. Yeah, no, it's so, so interesting. Well, no, because, I mean, he's right about the things he brings up, I know for a fact, because... It well, would... I don't think it's about right or wrong. It's, no, it's, it's just... It's how he feels. Yeah, no, it's just funny. I just... And he should do it sooner in the moment. Right. I like that. I'm like... Mike does that too sometimes. If I'm like, I left... I, I do this thing where I take all my sweaters off when I get home and put them on the kitchen table chair... Oh I, my god! I don't know Sweater why. Like, it's just like a thing. I just like I'm, it's like when you're about to take your bra off. Like I'm just like oh, put it down, and they <laughs> pile up, and yeah. then I find them on the chair in my room, and I'm like, I know he's. Oh, he gets that. mad about that. My yeah. husband and I are both I'm really messy. messy. Me too. I, but I like project. Oh, you my, are. I'm so Thank messy. You Thank you. I'm so messy. Mike and I are both really messy too. Well, so Darren is that my arm. Our like pitfall in communication is I. And I know this, right? I project onto him my annoyance about his messiness. But when I look around the room, it's actually all of my stuff. Me too. Yep. Well, actually, okay, he's going to hear that. And he's going to think he's validated. But no, he's a nightmare. You're both messy. And I'm a nightmare. And you both want the other person to be like cleaner mm-hmm. or pick up. But Honestly, then- I'm jealous. Good for you guys. Because I live with someone who's not messy. So I get in trouble. Um, yeah, but getting in trouble, but then he probably cleans up after yeah. you. Yeah, I wish my husband cleaned up after me. I, we I, love you. I, we have a good accountability. I, I do apply work things at, at my home life sometimes, like with communication. Like yeah. accountability is important to me. Yep. So Mike and I have very split delegation on the house chores. Mm-hmm. I don't do the dishes. I've never done a dish in my house, and I will not do a dish. Yep. If it is sitting in the in the sink and he didn't do it, that bothers me. Yeah. And it will, like at work, accountability bothers me. At home, it bothers me and too. He knows it's his role. So he you're knows really it's his clear. Role. I That's like how that we are clarity. About trash. He does a good job. About That's how that. we are about trash. He does a great job at He's that. a good dishwasher. I appreciate it. And then I do the grocery ordering and I, you know, <laughs> try to cook. I try really hard. He hates my cooking, but you know, I, I think that line is important of yeah. communication well, too. Well, who dele- who's the delegator, or do you have that in like a mutual discussion? I'm gonna have to ask you to answer that for yourself. No, no. We uh, both have agreed on that. When we first bought a house, we had a conversation and we b- both said, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're, uh, you're going to pay yeah, this Yeah, but bill. you're the delegator. I'm going to pay this. Definitely not. Oh, he tells see. you he's going to do the dishes. When at the beginning, this was a very long time. Not of, even, that doesn't even make sense. No, this was a very long time ago, this conversation. And oh. it was carried into our new home. But no, see, like per the conversation about 95% to 5% of being told what to do. No, I'm a strong woman, but Mike's is no bitch. Oh no, I don't think he is, but I don't <laughs> think he cares. Like he'll do whatever. No, he he definitely I'm likes, the delegate. He will not get the groceries. I do the groceries. I think Joe likes that about me though. Like we're super opposite. But I think he puts you in your place. Yeah, he's not like a 
a baby. Like he'll be like, no, but like, I'll be like, this is what gives me anxiety. Can you do this? He'll take it on. This is what he wants me to do. And I forget to do it. Well, when we first got our house, this was a conversation. Cause I was like, we, it was becoming a fight like repeatedly. And I was like, I can't fight with you about this. And like, and then I realized very quickly I could apply my work concepts to my home life. And I was like, you know what? Well, why don't we just split everything? And yeah. then that carried on from home to home and it's helped us. It's like yeah. a big trick because you can fight about those dumb things yeah. and they can spiral. Well, once you are in partnership and you live together or you get married, you so many kids. of your issues are also like roommate issues. So oh they're not God, even yes. romantic issues. They're roommate issues, but then the roommate issues impact your intimacy and your romantic Cause issues. Because you get so angry. Yeah. And you hold on to it. I always like, how do you deal with it? Yeah. I always tell people like, wait till you live with that person before you're like getting married so, because that takes like a second to get used to. Yeah. It's I just different. brought my husband for his birthday a bidet. Oh, I, we have Rachel a has one. And it's been life-changing for our marriage because it cuts the bathroom time in half. I'm sorry that I said wow. this out loud. No, well, that happens to everyone. But no, I totally two get kids. that. So I'm like, get out of the bathroom and help with the kids. Well, I'm yeah, so, he likes to like take a long time. Joe and I used to um, have one bathroom in our apartment. And I we was had like, one bathroom we, too for a long time. I was like, we will never have one bathroom again, ever. Like, I, I need to go in the bathroom when I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's entitled to his long poops, but I get it. The bidet is helped. It's, it's little so things that little just help. like, yeah, yeah, I wish they we get discovered you this like years ago. Let's um, talk about, I love a bidet. Let's honestly. talk about the passion. I, you brought, oh, I just wanted to say something about the bidet. What? Tell us. I just wish every household had one. They should be a staple. They should I just don't come with that. Do you guys want to move to Italy? Well, no, that's why I don't get why Europe like has so ahead of us in that way. And like, even in Thailand, like when I went on my honeymoon, we stopped on the side of the road and like, they only use water. And then I was like, wait, why do you want like all the those crumbles like of course the water is better don't <laughs> did you here's another question did you say crumbles yeah we this could know also be what a crumble feels like but and this is off topic but did you know that some people wipe standing up and some people wipe sitting down Whoa. and i did not i have not thought of that so i did know that my mind but i can't tell you which one up. you are you you're a weirdo. I, what do you do? Do it <laughs> I sitting sit i didn't so even I know fully it stand up you got but my so did your parents raise you that way I definitely can now think of Michael Rubin standing up to wipe himself. So now I'm thinking, yes, maybe. My Just sits down. See, I'm a sitter. My husband's a stander. And until this I relationship, I didn't even, it never crossed my mind that there could be something. So different. when I first saw him do that. That has never crossed when my mind. When I first saw him do that, I was like, what? Yeah. I well, that's how I felt about you standing. Doing. They're, I, Rachel, I try they're not to let us. Mike wipe, see me wipe. I mean, I've seen a lot of things. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like see me wipe. Yeah. Except when he's showering and I'm in the bathroom, it's like, well, yeah, of course. But like, I, I would always prefer him not see me wipe my butt. Like we have the, no boundaries in our house, so I can't. Is that I like a trick? I, don't, I mean, he's seen me give birth no, no, and poop on a table. I don't have so. boundaries. It's more just like. Should it's, be considered. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah. do you want to see this? Some people are very formal about that. I've talked to so many people. Like, some people will absolutely never even definitely like, not fart formal. in front of their. Oh, I fart on, on him. We've met people that were like, "You don't fart." I he the other day literally, you know, what is it called when you is it a Dutch oven? Oh he, yeah, he mm -hmm. Dutch he ovens puts me. Puts you under the blanket, and he does this thing where he knows it's coming my way, and all of a sudden we'll go into hysterics, like laying in the bed, <laughs> and like then He's all of a gross. sudden I get like a wave, <laughs> like it slaps me in the face. No, there is no formality yeah. in my house. Just sometimes I don't want him to see me wipe my butt. So should we segue this into well, how do you then keep the passion Please. alive? Well, that's, know, that's what, a you said that, segue. and I was like, I want to talk about that because <laughs> you're Dutch ovening on one hand, which yeah, honestly yeah. creates like laughter and like intimacy and companionship on one level it's so true actually it does but then like do you want to then sleep together or like yes, be intimate and make him. out with him yeah so that's great. i always want to make out 
So, yeah. Why? Like, I well, just always want to make out. Here's a, here's a good segue. Maybe physical touch is one of your love languages. I think it is. So, for sure. It's definitely point, not mine. So, that's great to know. And one thing I wanted to talk about today was, like, how your love languages can shift over time within the same relationship. So, yeah. it could be, you know. Wow, they change. They can absolutely change. So, I used to be quality time and physical touch. And then after having my first daughter, I was like, don't touch me. I'm breastfeeding. <laughs> like, I don't want to be touched. Don't but, like, come near my nipples. <laughs> like, any part my body but please like clean the dishes and clean up in the house and acts of service means so much to me now or quality time it was I like hard gifts Gift. Carly. Like, like, well hence though your point about like communication because then you have to be able to be like I feel like I've changed a little bit this is how you can help me so my and then you'll love this everything comes back to mindfulness right a hundred percent so like unless you know within yourself that your love language has shifted you're just walking around feeling disconnected from your husband or resentful you don't know Mm. what's different but to tune in ask yourself oh like I really don't want to snuggle anymore but like I really want a special gift or I really want quality time or I really want him to praise and it's not a physical like sometimes he'll just because he works in um overnight so he'll come and he'll be like do you want a coffee like those type of things like I love that very thoughtful I love those like thoughtful moments lapped our audience with a really big a big thing yeah the mindfulness piece unless you're in tune with yourself and how you are changing and then take responsibility and accountability Mm. to communicate your changes your mindset your mood your needs to your partner like they can't read your mind they're not in your body trouble communicating so I think that's where probably I love though that practical application of where to start like I think that's so important when listening to a podcast because sometimes I think there's like these concepts that are so abstract and it's like where do what do you do with that but it is so like I'm not one to preach about meditation or mindfulness I mean I talk about it a lot because I believe in it but I do think it is the smartest place to begin in understanding what is that feeling yeah and I really I felt what you said just now when you're like I'm just walking around feeling something without mindfulness you if you're not in touch with what that feeling is how could you ever communicate well, you have to get to the core issue yeah, yeah. it's it, it's the constant theme we always talk about that personal and professional is the same thing but sometimes my issues with joe are actually like you i think you said this before are core issues with myself like mm-hmm. it's like i don't like the way i look today, or like i feel gross like the other like the weekend like we just yeah. ate a lot of bad food and i was like i'm so pissed at myself that i did that because i'm trying to be better for my wedding and then i was like caught myself like being rude to him and i was like it's not you i'm so sorry it's me yeah like as long as i can recognize that moment i feel better and here's the thing when we don't take care of our own physiological needs so sleep exercise yeah. right like selfish but like be right like it, you have to be like oh i'm sorry i just snapped at you i realized i only got like six hours of sleep last night or sorry i just like snapped at you i didn't get to exercise today and i have all this pent-up energy so it's right. like being mindful of what's going on in right. your body because we are like we're not robots we don't feel the same way every day we don't eat the same things every day we don't you know what i thought was so interesting i found out that more of our serotonin which is responsible for like depression and or happiness mm. is produced in our gut and can be impacted by like our microbiome and our foods than in our brain. I've heard that. That and makes so, sense. And so, yeah, taking accountability for like our bodies and then being able to communicate that to our partner. And so going back to the spark. Yeah. What is, like when somebody asks you, how do I keep that spark alive? What is your number one response? Okay, so first, obviously making sure that you're speaking your partner's love language, not what naturally like you show love, but saying what's most meaningful to my partner. Mm. And then checking in, has our love language shifted over time in our relationship? Mm -hmm. Um, I love that though, because I'm sure a lot of listeners like, I probably do this too. Actually, I think I do do this is I give Joe the love language I like. 
So how do you know your love language? You can take a test literally online. It's free. It's through um, Gary Chapman's website. You just Google love languages. There's oh, a free assessment. Okay. I've done that before. Yeah. And, and again, you could take it again. It might be different. Your results might be different. And there's no right or wrong love language. We all feel love differently. And I always say, like, is your love tank empty or full? And how can we fill it up? Um, so Ooh, that's, ooh. that's a lovely analogy. Yeah. Love tank. Fill your love tank. tank. Ooh. Love tank. Don't take. love tank. Wow, girls. I just went a little higher. So... So yeah, I think Carly, in your case, really speaking, what's more meaningful to your partner instead yeah. of how you just naturally I like speak that. love. Oh, there's going to be a lot of people on that website yeah, taking that test. I know, I know. <laughs> the other thing I would suggest, so what we know through like neuroscience is that the reward center of your brain releases dopamine. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter that gives us energy, gives us that happy feeling, gives us that like lovey-dovey feeling. And there's a few ways to activate your reward center or like boost the release of dopamine um, and the production of it. So it all comes back to novelty. So, so many times we get stuck in a rut or we do the same thing. And it's like maybe at first sushi Fridays was fun, but then you just like come to expect it. And then you're just like mindlessly eating sushi on your couch, watching Netflix every Friday. And it's like, (laughs) there's no novelty. So novelty means like doing new experiences with your partner. When you're falling in love with them, everything you're doing is new. You're getting to know them. You're going out on different dates. There's so much to learn. So new dates. So whether it's new restaurants, whether it's, um, so also exercise activates the dopamine Mm -hmm. system. So like going on a hike, going for a walk, exploring a new city, but basically new experiences can really get you out of a rut and help keep that passion alive. What an answer. I love that answer. Yeah. Neuroscience. That's so true too. Like, I mean, I've had, I've been pregnant for two years straight Yep. and you know, we had a lot of new experiences and then all of a sudden I have, you know, a small baby and then a, a little bit of a more difficult pregnancy and there's not a lot of new experiences happening for us no. right now. I was in the same boat. Um, I had like for like three years was like pregnant breastfeeding pregnant lost the baby pregnant again like all that stuff so I was just like there this is something I and communication is key so basically I felt like prior to having kids my love tank was like overflowing with Mm. my husband just like we had a really happy marriage super in love um, like obsessed with each other like best friends and then going through sick pregnancies breastfeeding like all of the things Um, my attention was, my marriage was no longer the priority. And I said to him, like, listen, I'm not in a space mentally, physically to be like putting, um, to like be filling up our love tank. I think I'm going to be like depleting it over this period of time. But like, I feel like we have a solid foundation where I can do that. And then when like I wean from breastfeeding or we're like through this chaos, like we can rebuild and like Mm. we're in the rebuilding stage right now. And, um, but the fact that I could like identify that and talk about that and both of us, if he was like, I'm not okay with that. Or like, I need to feel like more of a priority. If he had any objections to that, we'd work through it. But he was like, I get it. We're in survival mode right now right now mm. like having kids has like shaken everything I up him. so yeah. healthy so yeah and so now you know we're like reinvesting into the marriage we've instated some like date nights and some mm. different you know some things like instead of just like watching tv or he works a lot so he's like working after um we put the kids down like we're like okay three times a week like let's just climb into bed together and like have some pillow talk and just like snuggle Cute. and unload about it's our the day little things the little things yeah well like in this phase of my life right now I think that we're, you know, I think we're doing okay with what we have on our plate. Yeah. But like it 
it, it does come down to those little rituals that are nice for us. Like when we get in bed for us right now, it's like we meet each other around like eight thirty, nine o'clock in bed. And we like try to watch one show together yeah. because the day is busy that. and we try to have dinner together every night and we have breakfast together every morning. Amazing. Yeah. So also quality time. So mm-hmm. if that's your love language, spending that uninterrupted, undivided attention time together, that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah. Um, but just the fact when you're feeling people say, well, what happens if there's no intimacy or what do I do if I'm disconnected? Just acknowledging the disconnection like with your partner in a conversation creates connection because you're talking about the dissatisfaction or disconnection. They can say, yeah, I'm feeling that too. And then you could say like, I still love you. But wherever the conversation goes, just having that conversation. It requires work. It, it, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't like, happen, but just like care. the conversation then hopefully, right, if you have a partner that cares and is also like yeah. able to connect with you, that creates connection and you leave that conversation even without any solutions to like how to fix it you just feel like oh I feel heard I feel understood I feel connected to my partner in our disconnection you talked about like um doing new things together experiences like doing a new city dinner etc what's your advice to people who like feel like they're the initiator like it's like I'm the constant person being like let's go to dinner here let's go to this let's do that like do you think that's okay um if it if you're not resentful about it and you like to plan totally fine. If you're growing resentful, you're like, oh, he doesn't put in the effort or she never does this or doesn't initiate. Communication's key. Go to your partner say, hey, I realize that I've been putting in a lot of effort to this. It would be really attractive to me or it would be meaningful to me or I would really appreciate if you could plan the next three dates. Um, Like that. This is also like one exercise I've given couples. I'll have them create like a date night jar and they each write maybe like five to ten um, suggestions and then they put them in the jar and then uh, they just pick randomly from the jar. The rule is if you pick your partner's date and you don't want to do it, you cannot moan and groan or complain about it. You have to do it with a positive attitude. So good point. Yeah. So it's just Love like, that. so you pick out of the jar. You don't have to think about what you're doing and maybe, you know, you pick it on Wednesday night. So you know what you're doing on Saturday together. Joe asked me to go to arcade this weekend. I Love, love arcades. arcades. Ski ball. Literally love it. Love we love arcades. I like arcades. the one that goes in a circle and then you have to like stop it on the... Wait, I don't know that one. You do. You just... I don't think it's... I'm explaining it well. So it's like the one... It's like the big circular thing and it like the... You have to like... The the light goes in a circle and then you have to stop the light oh, in she's the good center. At that. And then you get a prize. Oh, you know what I'm talking I'm clearly about? not that much of an arcade goer, but it sounds fun. I'm really good at it. Like I win almost every time. Yeah. It's wild. We my engagement ring was actually from an arcade in Rhode Island, like at uh Newport. Stop we it. went to the little arcade there and we did ski ball and we won a bunch of tickets and inside when we picked the prize there was like this giant funny gaudy like ring but it looked kind of real um so we got that and he was like oh I'm gonna like propose to you with that basically one day and then he did and then we designed my ring together he's thoughtful and really cute I love that yeah I like your advice for keeping the spark alive I feel like I know a lot of couples who go people come to me for a lot of different things for advice you know I don't really know always why but I think that (laughs) I think that um I've heard a lot of couples that fall like their communication falls on deaf ears yeah you know so like they they try to communicate but then the partner doesn't reciprocate doesn't listen Mm -hmm. or doesn't react the way they want and what if that person isn't able to meet you in that place well, that's also why, like, you go to a couples therapist who right. teaches you these skills because um, it could be, like, a lack of skill, a lack of awareness. It could be someone is really checked out and they don't care. But um, 
ultimately, so the same researchers, John and his wife, uh, Julie, I think, Gottman, they basically found the importance of conflict and communication. They say that 69% of problems are perpetual. So you're going to have the same argument in your relationship over and over and over again. And so you mm, have that's to... That's so true. You we have, have the same argument over You and over. have to mentally shift. For us, it's like the messy house. So like you have to mentally shift from like solving the problem because it's not going to be solved. It's a perpetual problem to how do we better manage this problem? Mm. And then management comes through communication. But what they found in the research, it's like your partner is either going to turn towards you and make you feel heard, validated, understood, or they're going to turn away from you in... And like your bids for attention, your ability to communicate. And so ultimately, we need our partner to turn towards us. So mm. in couples therapy, like that's what you can learn is how to turn, turn towards, towards each other. But also if you're learning other. it from a professional or like and um, it's not it's not like you teaching your partner because yes. sometimes people can have an ego within that. Neutral. A yeah. Neutral, yeah. Like yeah. That, neutral that, party. And hearing you speak that they'll probably feel better yeah. too. They or, feel like, oh, and that also goes into like those four horsemen of the apocalypse, they get defensive. Mm. So receiving feedback from their partner makes them feel defensive. Mm-hmm. And then that's like the loop that people get stuck in with their poor communication. Because they're like, you're supposed to support me and love me. and But I like always challenging and working to be better. Yeah, that bodes well for your future Yeah, marriage. I love that. What about fighting? Like, I personally think, my grandma once said to me, I said this on an earlier podcast, that couples who fight have passion, mm-hmm. you know? And she was like, it's okay to fight. She was like, I'd be really worried if you weren't fighting. And she actually one day, like, came to me and was like, are you fighting? And I was like, why are you so concerned about if we're, I'm very confused by this topic. Yeah. What do you think about Well, fights? did she mean, so fights as in, like, yelling, screaming, slamming doors? Or she just meant, like, are you addressing conflict or are you sweeping it under the rug? Probably rod? addressing conflict. I think probably the yeah. latter, yeah. yeah. Because, right, so you want to know, it is concerning to me when I've had, like, a couple or someone who started dating, um, and in that first year they've never had conflict. So I yeah. think because they're sweeping it under the rug or they're letting things boil over and then it's all going to come out. Um, and that could be reflection of an avoidant attachment style. But, yeah, you want to be able to talk through things and know – you know, when, when you talk about, like, for singles who are out there looking for love. So I come from a very, like, in dating with intent. So an intentional standpoint. So, yes, you need attraction. Yes, you need some, like, sense of chemistry and connection. We can also talk about that a lot. But you also need the pragmatics. So, like, do we align in our core values and the life vision that we have for ourselves? Um, but also our conflict management styles. Like, can we resolve conflict together? Do we turn towards each other? This is so much like I like conflict management, that word. That makes sense. I want to talk a little bit about singles you mentioned because I don't just want to, you know, address people who are in coupled relationships right now, but you said dating with intention. What does that mean to you? And, like, what if somebody is really looking to, like, settle down and find the love of their life? but they're not having good luck or they, you know, I hear a lot of negative self-talk often. Or people don't like online dating. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, I can't, I won't, you know, you know how I feel about those, that type of language. It's not for me, but what what do you say to those people? Also not for me. Um, And the more we put out into the universe that like we can't, we won't. And what I call, I call it like a fear-based dating mentality or a scarcity mentality. So so many people are like, there's not going to be anyone out there for me. Or they meet one person that they feel connected. They're like, but I never meet anyone like that I have a spark with. And so they all of a sudden like compromise on all the things they shouldn't be compromising on because there's a spark or because there's attraction. Or because Um, there's sex. Or because there's sex. Yeah. Um, And again, I talk about this, you know, for weeks, because this is exactly what I talk about with my clients. But dating with intent to me is intention to find, you know, life partnership um, with someone who's an ideal match. 
That doesn't mean that there's one perfect person out there and no one is perfect. We all have our flaws, but um, creating, you know, in my client work, we create some dating frameworks and criteria around your core values. We all have values, but not all of them are defining and like the most important in life. Um, sometimes people meet someone and they choose them because they're physically attracted to them or, you know, they like the same music or they're in the same friend group, but that won't get you like long-term and longevity, successful happiness. So the pragmatic side of dating is the values. So different values, examples could be like whether or not you want children, how do you want to raise those children, family values, Mm. work-life balance, or just like professional drive, life goals, um, environmental stuff like recycling people care about their carbon emissions and their footprint what about politics um, or your sexual preferences so all of these things are important it's important to become an expert on yourself know yourself of course we discover parts of ourselves in mm. interpersonal relationships that is so important everything you just said because you people search their whole lives to find the person for them their soulmate which I am going to ask you like what's your version like what does that mean to you but like if you if there's like values that don't line up like it will never feel right like for example like I'm Jewish and I want my kids to be Jewish and Joe's not Mm -hmm. and we had to have that conversation early on Mm -hmm. before we that was hard for you before we carried on and he was like I don't care like I'm good with it and like that was it like we've never had that conversation again you had that conversation oh yeah no like and that was pizza bagel that was that was two. <laughs> that was like two years into our relationship, where I was like, "Should we go further?" Because yeah. like, I'm not gonna go further if it's not right for you. Because this is what I want, and that's yeah. what I believe. And so I would coach my singles who are starting from scratch, like right there. If he said, "You know what? That's a deal breaker for me. I can't have Jewish babies," then you would be like, "Holy shit! I just dated from someone for two years of investing love yeah. and commitment and finances and." care into this person so like I have my singles talk about ultimately those deal breaker core values within like the first like one to five dates so that they're not investing any more time I was younger like I was like I think I was 24 in your 20s you're not thinking about dating with intent you're just thinking about you meet someone and you're cute and messing around which is okay too I think that's fine but when when I got because I'm two years older than him Mm -hmm. when I got a little bit older and I was like I'm really getting older. Down. Yeah. And like, I'm, I was never the person that needed to date around. It's like, I knew who my person was when I met them. Um, and then I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to have this conversation. And yeah. we did. And it worked out well. But I do feel like people forget about that portion. Right. But let me play this out. Let's say someone is not okay having Jewish babies. So then at that point, yours, this is where I find my clients. They either feel like they've invested so much and they love this person so they're gonna stay and then they end up resentful later on when they actually have the kids and they think their partner is going to change and they don't and that creates resentment and leads to divorce or a breakup but had he said you know he didn't agree with what you wanted then all of a sudden you might you might feel like you have to break up and then what happens is you're like how do I trust my own judgment again how do I trust my intuition that I thought that was my person so then there's all this healing work that has to happen to get you in touch with yourself and then more conscious intentional dating early on yeah I secretly knew he wasn't gonna care honestly but we've had like mini convos right and Um, so this is why yeah no but some people do care and this is what I mean the difference between like core values and values so for him maybe religion it's a value 
that it's not a core value. So he was flexible with that, which is perfect for you because you really cared about having a Jewish child. I love his flexibility. Yeah. I, I think it's but great. But he might have other values that he really cares about and you could be like either on the same page with him or it's something that you don't care about as much and you're like, you, you can have it your way and yeah. that works well. I know. So I guess for singles, like do not abandon your core values. Those should become your deal breakers and those are firm boundaries when you love and respect yourself that you implement from the start so that you do not wind up resentful and heartbroken two years down the road because you weren't in alignment from the get-go. Which I love, though, because it taught me to compromise, too. Because, like, I'm kind of the person who's like, nope, this is the way. This is how I like it. That's how relationships are. Yeah, but, like, I needed to learn that, like, there's things that he's going to want that's, like, Carly... You have Give to it. compromise. So here's right. what I say. With compromise, because it's a big, like, you know, word that we all hear we should do. I say never compromise on your core values. Right. But yes. you can Agreed. compromise. Like, do we get Chinese food or pizza for right. dinner? Right. right. Like, so there's going to be give and take. But from the dating framework, like, you cannot compromise on yeah. core values. I'm cool with that. I agree compromise. with that completely. Yeah. Well, because he was like, we'll just do Christmas Eve because his family does a big Christmas Eve. And, and were you okay with and that? I, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. I mean, they'll still be Jewish, but yeah. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. And some people might not be okay having anything to do with Christmas and some people might be embracing it yeah. and that's fine. So it's like, what are your own personal As long as it's traditional and not religious, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. That's totally like family being together. I mean, obviously and eating. I'm open to it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Open to the eating. eating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you go through life, you go through different phases talking about parenting styles you know I feel like I got lucky because it's not something I ever talked about with Mike early on yeah we didn't you know we dated when we were children we met when we were 17 and kissed in a parking lot I didn't necessarily talk to him about like how do you intend to raise your children what's your parenting style gonna be you know but it's something I think about often because there's ways to discipline like I sometimes of course I say no to Lily but like she's under one years old so if she throws food on the ground like I'm okay with it. Right. You know, so like I don't want someone her. yelling at her saying no when she's a child. She'll go, no, Lily. She's and a, she'll go, and she goes, <laughs> I'm like, and I'm okay with it. You know, like it's, I all, love it. it's all love and light for me. But like I think to myself, like I watch his reaction because it's my first time seeing him as a parent. Right. So I'm like, oh my God. But dogs helped a little, right? Dogs did help because they oh, gave you some sure. confidence. For sure, I got to see him parent a, my he's puppies. A great oh, I thought you meant dogs help with the food on the floor. I was gonna say <laughs> they help. With <laughs> the someone food get on the floor. me a Roomba they because do. no, but dogs help to see your parenting styles because I Mike is such a he's a both he's a uh, great dog, he's great human do- yeah. dad too, but yeah. he's an amazing a dog, dog dad. dad. Well, I think to myself sometimes, what if he reacted in a way because that you know you and I both know those babies come out of us. Yep, they are our limbs. I am highly protective of my child. I would do anything to protect her and my core values of what I believe about parenting. Mm-hmm. I intend to raise her in a certain way. Of course, he's my co-parent. I respect him, but right. I have certain lines. So like, what if he reacted in a way that I didn't agree with and I communicated that, but he just disagreed, but we're finding this out with a child. Right, and you haven't before. Yeah, what do you do? Well, hopefully you have the foundation of the relationship where you are like, care about each other's opinion can turn towards each other so that you can talk through this yeah i know for me also i never thought i wanted kids and here we are with kids um but i have since like immersed myself in on like my own parenting philosophies and reading and listening to podcasts and doing all the things to like get education and then in that case like i feel like i've kind of taken on the role of like i will educate my husband something and he trusts me to be the lead parent in the sense that like he's open so unless he felt 
strongly about something, we would say, well, like, why do you feel strongly about it? What's your opinion? But typically, you know, you never do it. Like, let's say there's an argument about whatever, how he responds to Lily or something. Not in that moment, but like later away from the child, that's when you can sit down cool, calm, collected and have a conversation about it. And like, maybe you say, Hey, I've done some research and this is what like the experts say are, is the best approach. Right. Like, can we talk about it? Wouldn't you kind of see red flags though? Well, I wonder, I don't know. I mean, it's I don't, for, earlier on, I feel like, cause I feel like some people ignore red flags. Well, what you would do, yeah. Yeah. you know, his background and you know, his family and you know, True. his childhood experiences. I've and taken all, note. And all of those contribute to who the person is. Like I have a friend who married someone who had a, like, um, he had a lot of, uh, like physical abuse and trauma in his oh. life so that can like research says like can go two ways like they can become an abuser themselves or not and for in his case he's so consciously does not want to be that parent Always that is something they're it. very yeah aligned on so even before they him. had kids they've talked about yeah. like how to avoid those things or how do they want to raise a child together so you right you have to have some like emotional intelligence and again mindfulness and and talk through it yeah isn't it funny though? Like I do watch how he reacts to things and it is the same way as me and it makes me fall more in love. Yeah. Babies have a, like, I well, think yeah, a lot of people are sense. like, well, I think people are worried, like what will babies do to my marriage? Or I've always, I did, I've never worried, wondered about that, but yeah. then you fall deeper in love too. So that's like a happy side effect of Kate, of babies. Happy side effect. But I will also pose. So for me personally, becoming a mom has been like the hardest thing for me. Tell me about that. Whole, I want to know about that. Well, yeah, because you said, did, I, I was never, your core values you both didn't want kids? We just like, we were both so career driven and focused that right. it was like a kick the can down the road. Like maybe if we want kids, we'll talk about it. But like, I just couldn't fathom my life with kids at the time. Then we got older, we spent more time in our relationship together. And then like we hit a point and I'm like, I checked off a lot of my career boxes and I said, okay, well, I guess if we're going to do this, like now is the time right. I'm getting older. Like like, are we going to do it? And we decided to go for it. Obviously, you can't take that decision yeah. back. But it was hard for me because I, you know, very much lost my primary sense of identity, which was like a, a worker and, yeah. you know, my a business owner. And because, you know, I also, we had a pandemic child. My child turned one and the world shut down. No one was leaving the house. We oh. lost our child care. That's like, a tough age for a baby to turn one. Yeah. So I mean, we a tough time for a baby time, to turn time. one. So I like, you know, I couldn't work. Like we everything just revolved around the kid and it was a really hard challenge. I was also breastfeeding and I had weaned. So there was a lot going into it. And one thing, and this comes down to communication, I realized I was feeling kind of like resentful or angry about some things in terms of child rearing, not specifically about like how my partner was responding to my kid and he's like a wonderful father, mm -hmm. but just in terms of like the messy house and the responsibility and the mental load and all of these things. So I came up with this analogy that I thought he could really relate to where I said, I, I Prior to kids, I felt like we were on, like, an all-star basketball team, and we were, like, the best players, and we were just, mm -hmm. like, in, like, in sync and... In the zone. In the zone, and just, like, amazing. Slam dunks all over the place. But then since having kids, I feel like there was this shift where now I am a coach, and I'm not just, like, a coach. I'm, like, the angry coach yelling at, you're now still the player, but I'm you're the coach. You're literally a coach. I'm the coach. I'm literally a coach. Yes. <laughs> um, but like the dynamic has shifted where we're no longer like teammates slam dunking in life, like killing it. Like now all of a sudden I felt like I took on this extra responsibility who I have a kid and I'm also telling my partner what to do. That's the mental load piece. And again, mm. there's so much 
awesome research for listeners if they if they're a parent and they feel like they're taking on too much um there's this really cool cartoon about mental load and what that means and show it to your partner and have a discussion about that it will like strengthen your relationship so much but so I went from like being now the coach like calling the shots for like my kid and as well as my husband and I didn't like that so I don't want to be an angry coach so I told him that and then like we've talked through it so much and it's been wonderful for our relationship what a beautiful analogy too because I felt what you felt by you explaining that you're just you've developed really strong communication skills in your marriage and your relationship. That's it's really amazing. what I hear too. Because the way you just said that, I was able to understand that you just felt like the responsibility was too much on your shoulders yes. to carry the family. Yes. And he must have reacted well to that. And it wasn't like you were attacking him. No. You just said, this is how I feel. And and like his response, right? Like it's not that he's, I mean, he's a very involved dad, but he's also, he brought up points. Like he's doing a lot of other things behind the scenes, like financially to support our family. And um, like, just like, man, you know, I get annoyed because I'm like doing the dishes, but he's also like on the back end, he manages, like he pays the bills every month or like whatever it is. So he's still doing things and I don't necessarily see them because he handles that part of the mental load. So part of it was also, he wanted to feel acknowledged and seen for his contributions. They do want to feel acknowledged and seen. I've noticed that too, because like I do, get into those I'm so strong that sometimes I I also am like are you even doing it like what are you doing like did, or, he's yeah. like I'm doing this this and I'm like oh my god I'm really grateful I'm really grateful and, I'm really grateful thank you I'm sorry and my husband's love language is words of affirmation so he like needs and craves praise and acknowledgement to fill up his love tank and just like thanks for being an awesome husband thanks for being a great dad yeah. it doesn't have to be like over anything specific but he feels loved through um affirmation and praise I love the love language thing. I'm definitely making Mike take that test tonight. I want to know what his are. I think I know. He, like, gets so mad at me. I don't give him massages. I just, like, I'm so tired. I need to know what his love language is right now. He wants a massage all the time. I'm actually going to scratch his I'm going to do Joe's, too, and then I'm going to DM you and tell you what it is. Okay. I'm sure she's going to be waiting. You're going to be so excited. I'm, like, laughing because I'm, like, you're so pregnant right now and just, like, wanting a massage. That's what I'm saying. I'm, like, I can't. Like, I wait, can't yeah. physically I wanna, reach you. I want to talk about like soulmate. Like, yeah, yeah that's you, a good topic. How do you know? Like, like I, I, you know, I hate when people say when you know, you know, because like I say it too. So yeah. I'm saying I hate that when I say that. Do you believe that? So I want to validate for every listener. Like we each have our own experience and it's not the same for everyone some people do have the you know you know it's a soulmate connection and that's wonderful for them other people struggle to know or maybe they have a harder time trusting their gut or their intuition or maybe they start off confused attachment styles play into that and I help my clients figure that out Um, sometimes some people say oh there needs to be like chemistry and passion right away other people say oh it was a slower burn or I was friends with this person for 10 years before it turned romantic so there's no right way or wrong way I love that um I I have like over the years developed more of like a spiritual I think practice and connection and like on some level I feel like Darren like my husband is my soulmate in the sense of like like a soul connection like we travel through like time and space and dimension together like I feel like I've just known him in other capacities outside of this physical life um so that for me when you say soulmate like i feel it on like an expansive universal level which i know sounds kind of woo woo but i know you get it i feel that in my heart yeah so so if you don't feel like oh this is my soulmate or i don't just know and that's freaking you out don't let it like everyone has a different experience and it's okay to not um have that like extreme clarity that answer that for you or extreme about or I should say extreme said. clarity like early on I think you should have clarity obviously before you walk down the aisle with your partner but some people just get that feeling like viscerally 
from the first date, which I would actually cause you to say, like, wait, wait a, second, a second, let's yeah. pause and slow it down. Um, but some people's, it comes with, with time. I yeah. didn't know at first. Like, Mike and I um, met at camp. He was at the all-boys camp. I was at an all-girls camp, and he was at Hofstra, and I was going to Hofstra. He was two years older than me, and someone introduced us. And then I went and visited him at camp. We made out in a parking lot, and I was like, I'm not ready to have a boyfriend freshman year of college. You know, I made him wait for two years, and I – you know, we kissed, we had that chemistry moment. We would maybe sometimes make out in the dorm, but like, I wasn't like, this is my soulmate, but yeah. I know he is my soulmate, you know, mm-hmm. in my, in my soul. I know that it almost like happens more over time. Well, yeah. I think also you have to be ready to enter into the relationship too. Like I wanted, you know, I had gone to college a virgin and I wanted to like learn about life a little and like I was you know inexperienced well that's another important point like timing is so important in relationships and if you're not for some people you might meet at the wrong time or reconnect later and right dating with intent is when you're emotionally available and like open to long-term partnership it wasn't available and then all of a sudden I had like you know made out or hooked up with a few other guys and I was like I hate everyone but this man Mm. you know and like sometimes by contrast I think that's important too experimenting and like kind of feeling things out and then all of a sudden I I was like attached to him I remember we sat in our kitchen I was like I want you to be my boyfriend like I want to just be with you forever and like we never turned back it's really funny that you say that because the same thing happened to me with Joe is like when we kissed, I was like, whoa, what's happening? Because <laughs> I've never felt that before. I was, and I, it just like was really weird to me. So then I was like, oh, is this an indicator of me knowing? Because, oh. but then. Or were you just really horny? Like, yeah, I could have been that. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> Ew. You might have been. Yeah. No, I wasn't. It wasn't like that. It was different. Something you said about slow burning because. I think that I fall more. I think it's more. so funny. Like, burn has come up so many times. Your name is Samantha Burns. Burns like, right? it's all, why is it just, like, all cosmic for you? There burns. are different. I, I was, was I talking to you about this? It's like, I don't remember. But it's like, you start dating. And, like, I have this love for Joe. Then we started moving. We moved in together. And I had this, like, deeper love for Joe. Then we got dogs. And I was like, oh, my God, I really love you. And then we got a house. And then he proposed. Like, it's like, growth. All, like, all these growth moments where I felt... He was more my person. And I felt like a lot of the things we said today, like, because I put in the work of communication and there's definitely things we can work on, like, we get better. Yeah. You know? I think That's great. And I think it's important, too, for people to know, like, there's different kind of phases in your relationship. So when you're first falling in love, and this is the biggest pitfall, people love the honeymoon stage because, well, you're literally love drunk. We know that there is a neurochemical cocktail of, like, hormones in your brain causing that lust feeling. So don't confuse that honeymoon stage with love. It could be falling in love, but it's lust, and it's because of the the dopamine and the oxytocin and the serotonin and the norepinephrine. We even know through brain research that parts of your brain in that honeymoon stage shut down and cause you to not make like critical decisions and mess with Mm -hmm. your judgment. So that's when you miss red flags and all this stuff. And sometimes you come out of the honeymoon stage and it's either two things. You're either like, wait, I don't think I really like you or then you're like, oh, I like love you, and it grows into a deeper companionate love. Yeah, where they're like your best like friend. Like you went to your stomach, like you're like, oh, it's like, like, a, like yeah, a, like you yeah. felt it. No, it's true. It's, you said lust. We have talked about sex. We have talked about anal. There's a few things we've discussed on this podcast so far. But what is the recommended amount of times to have sex in a week or a month, or is there not? So. I like this question, and I want to affirm to everyone out there that there is no, quote, normal. It's more so like 
are your needs being met in the relationship? So there's hot people, cold people. We all fall on a spectrum of just in terms of like frequency that we want sex, not even to talk about like the type of sex, but just like the frequency that we crave it. So like hot couples could be like someone who needs it or wants it once a day. Um, to once once a week to like some people want it maybe just like one or two times a year they're very cold on the spectrum really don't laugh but so like here when i'm laughing because i'm a cold girl (laughs) you're a cold girl (laughs) totally fine not no once or twice a year is too little but but for me so what's good for you is if you find a partner who aligns in like the hot and cold spectrum like who aligns with you otherwise you will see like I see couples all the time where it's like a one partner complaining that, oh they never want to have sex or I want to have sex so much more and they don't want to or vice versa and so it's important to know um like how hot or cold you run and align in that sense um I like that hot and cold yeah. version that but makes what's sense the to me? general answer so so there's one i've researched this in the past for many reasons but okay there's one study and i don't know like how valid this study was a question because i don't think they've like found this to repeated results but basically it was like they studied a bunch of couples who are having sex at different rates and they found that couples who had sex every day or once a week there was no disparity between how happy they were people who had sex once a week were just as happy as people who had sex every single day but people who had sex at least once a week were happier than couples who had sex less than once a week right I don't necessarily, again, I can't speak to like the validity of this study, but I don't think everyone should say like, oh, I have to have sex once a week. I think that you need to explore more. But these couples who are having sex once a week, well, what's about them? They're probably, um, they're creating time for their relationship, Mm -hmm. right? They're probably communicating about it. Um, So they're they're doing other skills that allow them to get into bed together once a week. I feel like once a week's great, but it also connects you. Like, I feel like... I could be really pissed off about something and like not communicating well. And then after you have sex, you just like, you feel like, better. I don't care. Like, well, I love you. It's also the release of hormones. You get right. oxy- so oxytocin releases. Oxytocin is the cuddle hormone and it makes you feel in love, yep. relaxed, um, less anxious. So yeah. sex is like a good mood booster. It really is. Well, so then on the other end of the spectrum, I know a lot of people who put too much emphasis on sex. Right. And they judge like, their marital satisfaction by the number of times they're sleeping together. Right. And I think that, I don't think that's healthy. I think like you can't have just such a lustful relationship. I ha- think it has to be a balance. Yeah, no. And also you're compare, like we love to compare. Humans love to compare. And when you hear about your friends that are doing it every day and then you're like, well, I only do it once a month. You then feel badly about your relationship or you feel like right. you should be doing it more. But if it's working for you guys and you feel in love and you feel connected, that's fine. Right. The thing about sex too is I, I agree with you. It's different for everyone. But for me, it's more like it has nothing to do with my relationship. It's more about me. And then I like look inside and I'm like, why, why am I not having it? Or why am I having it? Yeah. And sometimes when I'm not in the mood, it's more because like, I don't feel good about myself, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I do well, feel, you know, look, you recognize that. Yeah. So like, I try to recognize like, and problem solve for myself. Cause it, it has nothing to do with Joe. It has nothing to do with our relationship. I love everything about him, but like, I blame myself. So there's this research that I love that said, it doesn't actually matter how much the frequency of sex, it's the rejection of sex that impacts your relationship most. Wow. So what I mean by that is, how do you turn your partner down? Is it like you're pretending to be asleep next to them and like you <laughs> just ignore mean. them? Is it that you're just like, 
no, I'm not in the mood or whatever. Or is it that you're like, I love you, honey, but like I ate too much food and I'm gassy right now. I'm just not feeling the mood. I'm going to Dutch oven you. Right. I'll Dutch oven anything back to the Dutch oven. So, so it's like, how do you communicate to your partner about why you do not want to have sex? Yeah. And maybe they do something in that moment. Like I was to my husband, I was like, my body has changed so much since having kids. And like, I feel self-conscious in it sometimes. And he's like, I think you're beautiful or whatever he says. And I'm like, he doesn't care. Like this is just me being critical and I need to let that go and right. like, connect with my husband. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a lot I could say right now. I mean, if I'm being really raw, open and honest, like we, you go through phases too, I think where you can have a lot and then you can't like for the Mm -hmm. last four months my doctor has recommended that we not have sex and I haven't had sex in four months neither has Mike and it's like I was interested to see how that would affect our relationship that feels long for you for some couples that's like that's no time so no that's that's very long for us feel long for me too I that was and that's like a lot of you know we've done what we can he when I left for the morning for today I told Mike what this was he was like you be careful with what you say I'm like oh he's gonna freaking well, you're kill pregnant. me you're pregnant he's gonna kill me no but I mean I think it's a lesson to me though too in our relationship because it's like when you remove that level of intimacy what do you replace it with yeah and like how do you f- communicate to how do you still feel connected how, how do you, do you still, still feel, feel connected intimate? yeah exactly. and I think there's so much pressure on women like I could speak forever about this just like like after you have after you have a baby you're supposed to wait like like clinically physically at least six weeks until having sex but especially if you're breastfeeding your estrogen levels are completely low biologically you are hardwired to keep your baby alive with your estrogen Mm -hmm. when you have low estrogen your vagina is very dry it's not lubricated it could be very painful for sex yeah and so and that first time having sex is like it's I remember my gynecologist said she was like buy a bottle of lube and a bottle of wine yeah and I was like wait a second like I know but but like but kind of but I'm also like I feel like my gyno should have been like listen lady if you're not feeling physiologically ready like warning you to have well just to yeah warning me but also like someone to be like and I'm saying this to the listeners like if you're not feeling ready to have sex oh I see what you're saying don't and tell your partner and your partner hopefully you're married someone who is supportive who's like babe like whenever you're ready or what can I help you do to feel physically prepped like whatever it is like for them to be patient with you especially after just having their child instead of this like expectation that you're supposed to have sex after just six weeks Mm -hmm. um that matters to me well I think that's a theme in the way you've answered almost every question is like it's about the individual it's about knowing yourself as an individual it's about communication it's about mindfulness it's like what works for you you know what just because something works for somebody else doesn't mean it works for you and I think there's something to add to that um, a common question is like, well, what do I do if I'm the, if like my partner's resistant to change or my partner is not, you know, working on it or putting in the effort. And I always say. Is that a question you hear often? Yeah, because people are frustrated. And, you know, there have been successful instances of like therapy or, or people working through problems where you have to stop waiting and expecting your partner to change and saying, what can I do to shift the dynamic, whether it's behaviors, actions, my response to them, just my mindset. Like there's so much that we can individually do because we can only control our own emotions, yeah. behaviors, reactions. That's we an can't do our partner. Though. Like yeah. I can fully apply that to being a you know, in charge of 40 individuals at a company. It's like, absolutely. you can come into work and you can be mad at something somebody else is doing, or you can come into work and you can focus on yourself. 
which what's it going to be? You right. know, like, do you want to change? You can only change yourself. And I, I really believe that though. Like I know that you can change over time with somebody, but I agree with you very much in the sense, like focus on you. Yeah. So there's some really cool research that I think you guys will like where, um, Helen Fisher, she studied couples who reported being happily, like deeply passionately in love after like 20 years of marriage. And she wanted to know why are these couples different than couples who are resentful or critical or unhappy in their marriage? And they put them in a neuroimaging scanner, and she basically found three things. The first was the ability, these couples have the magical ability to control their own emotions. So that's kind of like what we were just saying, Rachel, like you can only control yourself. So they have emotional regulation skills, which you can learn um, and work on and improve. They also had um, the ability for empathy. So empathy is putting yourself in your partner's shoes. Um, it's not sympathy or feeling bad for them, but it's it's ex- putting yourself in their reality and their emotional reality. And like someone's emotions aren't up for debate. They're justified to feel yes. any single way that they want. And the more you try mm. to tell your like when you tell someone they're being crazy or overreacting, does that ever help, help them feel calmer? Right. No. no. I literally hate that. Yeah. I hate that so much. So empathy is being able to like respect your partner's emotional reality and experiences and just kind of like validate them, um, but not change their emotions. Yeah. So empathy. And then there's something called positive illusions. So positive illusions are being able, this is like a hard skill. I'm closing my eyes right now. I'm like trying to get myself into that mindset. It's overlooking the things that you don't like about your partner and hyper-focusing on what you love and adore. Mm. So you could spend your whole relationship picking them apart or getting really annoyed at the things that bother you. Or you could say, okay, he's really messy, but he's a wonderful father Mm. or he's so loving or blah, blah, blah. So making the conscious, Mm -hmm. mindful effort to say, I'm going to focus on what I love and adore instead of define the relationship by what's lacking. That goes into my like 80, 20 rule in life. Usually like if you can find like 80% good and like Mm. that you're really happy and that check a lot of the boxes, 20% I can submit. I love that you said that. So it's, I'm not going to act like I'm perfect. I'm a nightmare. Definitely not. Yeah, like it, me too. There, it's not like he found someone that's like perfect, like never making mistakes. Like right. we both make mistakes, and that's why I feel like we're. But that's beautiful that you said that because yeah. so many people point they figure out the other partner and wants to like no. change them, fix them instead of kind of say how am I how am I imperfect? Right. But I love your eighty twenty rule in my book done with dating. I wrote if you like. 20 or sorry if you like 80 percent of someone's profile you like 80 percent of what you've learned about them go on the date with them right um because there's always going to be things that we don't like that's no one good is advice perfect. for dating yeah. i agree i actually find that in this generation i think people write each other off much more not only write each other off but like single advice my biggest issue right now is people saying oh he's not a good texter or she's not a good texter Oof. Um, we cannot make a decision to go out with someone by like their texting capabilities. Some people have the written word of Shakespeare and they're wonderful. They're hilarious and they're good at banter. Other people still today use texting as just like logistical communication to make a plan and then meet in person. I prefer people not to answer my texts. I'm like, don't even, don't text me. So, so many people rely so heavily on text. I don't even know why I just went on this tangent. No, it it makes sense because I brought up this generation. Oh yeah. I think this generation is used to things being quick. Like even look at the, the transition of Instagram. Instagram to TikTok. Yeah. What's required is that you get a message across in seven seconds. So I find that their brains mm-hmm. are being rewired to immediate status, but they're also satisfaction. There's so much comparing with TikTok, comparing. with social media. But like even in jobs, I find that the younger generation is constantly like, they usually ask me to move up faster or they usually um, ask for things quicker. And I'm like, 
oh, sweetheart, like you are so far from that. You Every, have to put the work in. Like, I need to Which see it. Which is so funny coming from you because you're like, you're still very young in comparison. My husband works in corporate America and he's like always complaining about like millennials, Gen Z is like always just wanting to write exactly that, like move up the ladder. Yeah, Needs quickly. tons of praise and affirmation and just like constant reward for like yes. doing their job basically. Yeah. And I get that. And people kind of want that in dating too, you know, like people just want to know, um, they, they need a lot of attention, a lot of affirmation, um, a lot of like quick instant responses. And my whole thing is like people want, sometimes my clients will literally have full, like multiple day, all day long text communication with someone before they've even met in person. Mm. I say, we need to slow down. We need to, you know, say that there's enough going on. Um, you know, just like free flowing enough conversation where like, yes, I want to go out with this person. If you're not sure, do a phone screen, actually hop on the phone with someone right. for 10 minutes Romantic. To, to see, you know, is there a connection? Yeah. Then you go out, then you make a plan to go out. You don't need to text every day leading up to that. You confirm and then you meet in person. If you like each other, if there's chemistry, if there's some of these shared core values, then you can start slowly building some of this text communication, but you don't need the like, good morning, beautiful. How's your day going? Like mm. you just, it's too much online virtual communication, like build connection in person, look into someone's eyes, like yeah. get offline, meet in person. Which is why I think people, a lot of my friends during COVID is like, we all met our boyfriends either at college where I'm um, 29 some of my friends are 30 but like the, after COVID happened they felt like they were home for two years like couldn't meet anyone yeah. so that's when online dating happened and people were like getting very virtual yeah so now that it's obviously COVID's over now and people are getting back to it it's like meet people I'm so glad COVID's over I know I love to hear you say that I know but people are still online dating but like not wanting to meet in person yeah so it's like I don't know it's it's funny to hear no, there's that there's been shifts and yeah. I think there's some things in life that can be affected by whatever generation is up next and then there's some virtues that just can't be like yeah. patience and being willing to look for quality have either of you online dated I met my husband online yeah I've never dated I yeah you met, you met Mike so early yeah I've never dated. I've never even. No, before Joe, I was like bumbling. Yeah. I was so, so bad at those, it. Like now the stats are in. So like the the number one way singles meet today is online. Online, yeah. And the average American single is on um, an average of three apps. Wow. Which I think it's probably easier instead of just like going out on a bar and being like, this person's cute. It's like, well, I also, I coach my singles to date multiple people at a time and to have really? multiple conversations. Yeah. Of so my, my, well, everyone, people have very different perspectives on this. Um, I would like not all, especially if you're people with an anxious attachment style, I don't want all of my clients um, putting their eggs in one basket and their world revolving around one person. I think that's great. Have they texted me yet? What are they doing? Again, the mystery, mm -hmm. it's like, go do your workout, go like, you know, cook and a you meal. Pick. And then you have your pick like multiple Charlotte people. When she's single. Remember that episode when she goes and she starts dating like five guys at once? Yeah. So I actually have a rule of five. So I don't have really? a lot of rules when it comes to dating. I have suggestions. But my hard rule of five is you can only be communicating or like have the potential to date five people at a time. Five or less or fewer. So like three to five. Actually, not just one, but three to five. That means you could be in any stage of the like just – I should even back up. If you swipe right on someone and you match with them, you have to have the intention to actually message them. That's going to be like earth shattering for wow. some people. A lot of people use online dating today as an ego boost where they're just like swiping left or right Definitely. as entertainment or to like get the validation that they're attractive. There's a human there. There's a human there. So if you swipe right, 
then you are expected to message them. And then when you message them, so that starts the talking to phase. So basically anywhere from like initial messages to getting offline to going on a first few dates with someone. If you're on a first few in-person dates with someone, that doesn't mean you're exclusive. Never assume exclusivity. Um, and then you can keep talking to people. And then over time, eventually, yes, you have to put both feet in, both fingers into one relationship, get offline, like have the conversation, right. stop swiping. I don't know why both put both fingers, fingers in. It just made me laugh. Right? Well, because it is, because everyone otherwise is swiping. Put your fingers in. Yeah. So basically five people at a time max. Otherwise, it's too overwhelming. You can't even keep track of who you've, you know, said what story to. So it could be a lot. But basically three to five people. Um, and then when you firmly rule someone out, you decide you're, no, you're not interested in them. They have core values that conflict, whatever it might be. You like literally like unmatch them on your site or just rule them out. And so that opens a new slot. So you can always have like five slots open. That's, that's mm. a cool thing to think about. Yeah. That's probably what I would do. So, you know, on this topic, sometimes people go deep into their marriage or their relationship and well, mainly marriage for this question. And they find things out about their partner and this other individual isn't willing to communicate or they don't have the same parenting skills and then they end up, you know, filing for divorce. Mm -hmm. How do you help couple? I mean, this is a really big question. Or contemplating it. Contemplating it. How do you know, A, if you should get a divorce yeah. or B, how do you help someone through that? Right. Or break up, I guess, too. Like sure. how to, yeah. Breakups or divorces. Whatever. Divorce the or whole like, topic. Yeah, like how to leave a relationship. Well, I mean, that's ultimately what couples therapy is. Like, people are coming in to, like, work on something. Um, my job is to hold hope for my clients and help them feel motivated and inspired, depending on what the issue is or, like, where they're unsatisfied. I usually say, like, for the next three months, I'll give it, give this relationship three months while we work together and sort things out. I, that don't make any rash decisions to leave. That's especially true in the cases of infidelity. I get a lot of those. Um, I did my master's thesis on like counseling couples through an affair and wow. gender differences and infidelity. So I say, don't make any rash decisions. Like let's be committed to this marriage or relationship for three months. And then based on what we learn and uncover, um, we can either strengthen the relationship and hopefully work through it and come out like as a better couple or you break up or go through divorce, but with peace of mind, because we will have worked through the issues and ultimately decided like, you know, you're better to go your separate ways, but you'll feel better about that decision because That's you've put advice. in that effort. And you'll decide together, like you'll be a part of that decision. Yeah. I'm really hate when someone makes like a unilateral decision to break up or divorce without talking to their partner, because to me, that means they are not communicating about whatever the issues are or their concerns are and haven't really shared with their partner just how much is impacting them so for me that's like a big red flag and when someone has just like broken up or divorced out of the blue because they haven't been working on it yeah that's interesting I had a conversation with a friend recently I I think I probably now gave poor advice I was like <laughs> watch eat pray love and go on an adventure <laughs> but um no I mean that's that's very interesting yeah yeah you know your job's hard because you have to sit with couples angry and be couples. angry couples and be super honest like and like call hard. you have to call kind of have to call each other each one of them out well, so i would imagine it's likely very repetitive your job i see and, a lot of themes yeah um and it's like i myself my just approach and there's different types of therapists and different 
you know, theoretical orientations. Like I like your approach. I feel like you're honest. I'm, well, I'm direct. I'm directive and I'm direct and I offer feedback and I'll support things that I say like with actual research. Um, but I'm involved. Hey, a lot I, of stats. I love your research. When you pull that oh. out, you're like, yes, this, this, it's this. Important. Yeah. It is important because it informs the advice we're giving. Yeah. Um, and especially like the neuroscience, we need to understand that. That's a, a big part of my breaking up and bouncing back book. It goes through like why the breakups and divorces like actually rock us to our core so much. And like when you understand the neuroscience behind it, you can have more compassion for yourself and all the struggles that you're going through in your grief and in your anxiety. Well, that's why I think that it matters who you go to for advice for these things too. Yeah. Because I think some people say like, oh, I'm a love coach or like, I think the word coach just in general is like way too loose. It's very scary. When I hear people say, oh, I'm a business coach or I'm a life coach. I'm like, show me your resume for that job. Like yes. show me your life. Cause I yeah. need to see it, but you actually have proven a lot of scientific things in this conversation, which I think matters because people have trauma, people have, you know, deep rooted issues and yeah. that can come into your relationship in so many different ways. It has to be addressed. Yes. So absolutely. I think that's just a compliment to you that I think it's yeah. important. You've done your when research. When you're shopping around for like a therapist or a coach, right? Like Yes, you want to know their credentials or their ability to help. And um, I kind of say it's a lot like going to getting your hair cut. You're not going to like everyone that styles your hair yeah. or the color job. But the answer is to like never go get your hair cut again. You just have to go find someone else that you jive with better and that you like. We say that results. about hairstylists, actually, because I get people. I have wonderful hairstylists, yeah. wonderful estheticians, but not everyone is for everyone. Yeah. You know, you can come to my salon and you can try a hairstylist and you may not have jived with them. Their energy may not be for you, but... You can find somebody else, you, you know? It's yeah. like, I believe in that. It doesn't mean they're not meant to be here. And, like, that ultimately stems from a place of, like, self-love. Like, when you Security. love yourself, too, like, you will go get help. Like, you have to prioritize yourself. There's no shame in asking for help. Right. Um, and, like, the average, and I'm blanking, it's either two years or six years. But, basically, couples wait either two or six years. I, that's the research I don't know the exact stat on, but it's two or six. Carly, do you have a fake percentage for us? <laughs> I think it's going right? to be three. Like, right. <laughs> three. three. Um, She's giving you the average. It's two or six um, that they wait before they go get help. So mm. they'll start struggling with a problem. And I think wow. they, they kick the can down the road or they expect their partner to change or it will just like get better or they're magic like, will magic. Come into place. Well, I'm sure people like kind of in their brains are like, we have kids, we have a house, we have this, we have that. Yeah. And it's like, you get deeper. It's more work to, you know, maybe cancel the relationship or get help than it is to just keep living well, yeah. in like the dynamic that's not working yeah. for you. Wow. Well, we have covered a lot. You yes. have been an ex. You're wonderful. Guest. Thanks, ladies. We could talk to you for 10 This hours. was, um, I mean. $6,000. <laughs> just send us an invoice. Um, no, I, I feel like we've covered a lot, but I feel like we covered a lot for a lot of people too. You know, like I feel like it was a very interesting topic. I really am very grateful for you to, to your time and being here today. We love you. Um, why don't you tell our audience how to find you and connect with you? So you can visit me at lovesuccessfully.com. If you need a consult or you're struggling with your relationship, you can um, submit an application to work with me or for a consult on my site. I'm also on Instagram at lovesuccessfully. I have not been posting as much recently, but plan to get back to it, but I'm just, my schedule's full. So yeah, yeah but you heard it here. You're we're amazing. ebbing and flowing. Yeah. yeah. You're busy so. with your patients and you're just helping everybody live a love-filled life. Yes. Their epic love life. We got to fill our love tanks. Yeah. Yeah. The love is burning with Samantha Burns. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was so that was good. Did you? Th I yeah, thought I it was it. cheesy. I liked it. I liked it. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. We ladies. love you. Great love episode. You over and out. out. Goodbye. You always say goodbye. You always say goodbye. <laughs>